Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests bring you leading-edge astrology conversations through a journey of soul growth patterns connecting astrology's energetic cycles. Get ready to understand your path in the cosmic roots of the stars. Hello again. I'm Rose Minahan. This is Talk Cosmos, Leading Edge Conversations, Awakening the Authentic Self for Soul Growth. And today is November 6th, just a few days before this illustrious lunar eclipse. That's when the moon crosses in front of the Earth's shadow. We have slides more than we can really discuss. You can feel at your pace a moment to check some of the details. And just a fast comment, though, that this particular eclipse, which is going to be on the 8th, which happens to be Election Day for the United States of America, and it will be at East Coast time early in the morning. So we are now ready for Planet Buzz. Focusing on planetary ecliptic orbital cycles and planetary pairs called synodic cycles connecting the planets at the same degree that begin our relationship, these are the members of Planet Buzz. I'm Sue Rose Minahan, the founder of Talk Cosmos, an electric evolutionary astrologer, consultant, certified color energy life coach, vice president of the Washington State Astrological Association, member of Kepler Astrology Toastmaster Club, of a Dwarf Planet University diploma and AA with music degree. I love mythology, philosophizing, collaboration. I'm an artist, writer, a perpetual student of life. I'm Tara All, an astrologer, writer, and artist who loves spirituality and metaphysics. I practice and teach evolutionary astrology, and I work with the Tarot, crystals, hermeticism, and animal medicine. My approach is creative and experiential, and I created a YouTube video series called We Are the Planets through EA Zoom meetings. I also speak at conferences. Currently, I'm the resident astrologer and lead writer for Sage Goddess, and I serve on the ESAR board as marketing director. And I'm Dr. Laura Tutt. I work as a spiritually oriented psychological astrologer with students and clients around the world. As a counselor, writer, and educator, I love helping people recognize their inner strength, take advantage of auspicious moments, and navigate times of challenge with greater ease. On my own podcast, Mythic Sky Storytime, I discuss astrology, mythology, and actualizing our full potential. Holding a PhD in human science, my doctoral thesis, titled Guided by Celestial Light in a World of Artificial Illumination, explores the lived experience of contemporary Western astrologers. In addition to my astrological work, I have a course in personal mythology that explores the stories we carry from our ancestors and the impact those narratives have on our lives. And as the ancient Hermetic Code reveals, As below, so above. As above, so below. It always catches me off guard. Well, hello, Tara. Hello, Laura, Dr. Ted. And Tara, it's so great to have you again. I know you've, it's been a while since, and always a pleasure. So it's, this is great. <laughs> it's always great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we are completing the actual event and of the 
eclipse season in a few days, although it doesn't end there. We know that this is a ongoing vibrational energy and a powerful one. And largely, I think, just immediately remembering that Uranus, the planet of unexpected surprise, wanting our best, but sometimes we're not always in alignment with that, I suppose, is right smack dab next to that moon. So any immediate thoughts <laughs> before we look at the chart and everything, or should we just dive in? I think time to do something different individually and collectively. That's for sure. Oh. Yeah. That's and I think too, you know, one of the things that is helpful with any eclipse is to look at what node it's connecting with, right? Is it about how much of it is the past versus the future? And so for this particular one that it's conjunct in alignment with the North node, it's much more forward thinking. Um, and so that's a whole variable too of this, of in that revolutionary innovative energy that can get very stuck in Taurus. Taurus doesn't like to move very much. Mm -hmm. And yet all of this energy is about looking forward and being innovative and revolution um, as, as just at the like bare bones theme of it. And it's rather a paradox because we have two major planets that are retrograde. We have Mars in Gemini that's in its retrograde path and what I love and Jupiter. And what I love about retrograde planets reading about it is, is that when you're forward, you see forward. But when you're retrograde, you look forwards and backwards. Only, I don't know how much solace that really is because it can <laughs> be pretty involved, right? But it does give, a, a, at least you're not only backwards. I think that was what I was grateful for. But that's powerful to have Mars and Jupiter. Jupiter now in Pisces. Yes. I have to remember, maybe we should look yeah. at the chart. Should we look at the chart? Yeah. And I don't, okay. I, I, I know that we look at retrograde planets, like from our geocentric view here on earth, we see them as moving backward. I, I think of it oftentimes as uh, inner versus outer too, not just backwards versus <gasps> forward. And that gives it a little different feel, mm. a little different, I oh. guess, context to it. Mm. Tara, you always crystallize it, it, it's nicely kind of like redesign the food like okay we've gone shopping we put it all on the counter but we're having people over so why don't we just arrange it this way <laughs> well, I, am good. A, I am a cancer so you know <laughs> that, that was a good analogy yeah okay so here we are no oh, this slide to remind people it is within the lunar nodes when eclipses occur and it's different from a solar versus a lunar. The nodes is that path of the sun and the moon. It's a lot of astronomy. You can learn more about it. But essentially, you the light gets blocked. So unless we have another comment, shall I go to the next slide? No. Okay. Yeah, sure. Here... Again, for people's details, it will be on the 8th on Tuesday. It's a total eclipse. It's full moon, which is the same as lunar eclipse. It's right in the middle at 16 degrees Taurus in one minute. And speaking of East Coast time zone, it'll be at 6 o'clock in the morning, two minutes after. So adjust your time, meaning 3 o'clock in the Pacific Northwest. And here in Hawaii, 
it'll be at one o'clock. So I'll be up <laughs> with the waves. So because we can all see it, it's sweeping across the Americas and even the Pacific. Or midnight so, for you. We're now only five hours different because we just changed yet this morning. Right. But wouldn't that be if it's or, three oh, yeah, o'clock? Yeah, yeah, no, it'll yeah. be one o'clock. I know it's always a toggle, but yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it started during the Renaissance, we might say, 1360. Okay. And this is just a, more information for the, that came directly out of, I think, Eclipse Wise. But the big point is that if you want to wake up and just see it when it's really happening, the maximum eclipse is going to be at one minute before six o'clock East Coast time. So, yeah. All right. Here, there we are. There's our chart. And now that we took all that into account, what are we doing? Well, it, go ahead. <laughs> I don't know if I took all of that into account, Sue. I have, I have, I want to bring something up. I want to know what you guys think about this. So during a solar eclipse, right, when the moon and sun are together, we talk about the heart eclipsing the head. And I'm, and please know that I don't look at the sun and moon just as heart and head, right? I think the sun has heart in it too. But archetypally, we think about the sun being that sort of consciousness, right? That sort of mindfulness, and then the, the moon being more the, the inner heart. If we now look at a lunar eclipse, and it's the opposite way, right? If the if the head is eclipsing the heart, what do you think that, like at a simple level, what do you think that says to us? I was thinking about this this morning, just the difference between very simply head over heart for a second, heart over head for a second. It reminds me of a phrase, mind doesn't matter unless you're a piece of cheese. <laughs> that was just a quick vaudeville statement wow. that, that came out I of the music <laughs> It does get into mind and matter to a certain extent because it's earth. You know, the moon is crossing the shadow of earth. And I do feel that is significant because earth represents Gaia. It's our body in a sense. It brings, it really says a lot about the moon, doesn't it? Because the moon, and this is also just feed for thought, was originally our mind. I believe, yes, in mythology, if you go way, way back. Um, in Vedic, for sure, moon is mind, yeah. Yes. And so now we say, maybe because of language and maybe because we've, in, in civilization, created so much communication, we speak of Mercury as our mind, although Mercury also in ancient times involved and still does such a voyage between spirit and matter. At any rate, Going back to your question, which I think is um, potent, I'll lead it to you, Laura. Well, you want to tie it together? <laughs> and, I, and, and what I was sort of feeling into it is that there is something about mindfulness during a lunar eclipse, right? There is something, not that you want to ever shut the heart down, but there is something about that sort of emotional part that needs a pause. To me, that's how it kind of feels for a second. So you can see something clearly. I like this. To me, that's so important. It's like the circuits are literally uh, dismantled or interrupted is the word. A lot like Uranus, you know, that lightning burst coming out where suddenly you are able to visualize a scenario that then goes away. But it, but the memory of it 
leads you like a vision going forward. So having an eclipse, it just breaks that constancy of light. I agree. It it you think later, or it's mindfulness. That's excellent. Hmm. Um, I mean, a couple of things because I think you know we had a total lunar eclipse six months ago mm -hmm. um, in flipped signs, right? But that, and that was visible in its totality on the East Coast early enough that I, it was like 11 o'clock at night. So I stayed up for it. And part of what was really interesting, just feeling into that while it was occurring was, I mean, I live in nature anyway, but it was another level of quiet. So thinking about the sort of mm -hmm. chatter of the mind, and that it was there was a different level like the birds were quiet nature was quiet and um so in terms of that sort of mind versus heart and it it i think oh. it's it's this interesting blending that with this particular eclipse i think gets more complicated because the archetypes are so interwoven right it's in taurus which is governed by Venus, but that's conjunct the sun. So this piece of, and Mercury, which is mind in often in astrology is also yeah. conjunct the sun. So these layers of mind versus heart with this particular eclipse, I think there's layers of that, or how much do we think about what we value or do we value what we think about? Oh, yeah, good, good point. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in listening Laura, I'm reminded that there's this sense of with the nature, because I've experienced an eclipse too with that silence. It's what they used to, or maybe they still call a void, but we know nothing is ever empty. But it is that prehistoric and ancient primal energy that we consider the universe, you know, that that homogenous. I don't know if it's, is it, I guess it's homogenous, but the energies that we revert back to, I'm not sure if all my language is right, revert back to, but we slide into her, that we gaze into looking or we experience or something. Yeah. Um, and it, again, like that makes me think about how this eclipse is different because it's on the North Node, right? So how much of that... Mm -hmm inward reflective piece was more dominant, you know, when it's the South node that's in play, as opposed to the North node that is this looking ahead and unplanned future yeah. um, as methodical or like as concrete as Taurus might want things to be, you know, eclipse, the eclipse is breaking that up. Right, it definitely, it's like, oh, you thought this was stable, right? But maybe, or what you thought was stability isn't stability, right? Oh yeah, for sure. And once Taurus does lock in, I mean, you just gotta prove it to Taurus, right? Once Taurus is convinced that it's really worth it and it's locked in, I mean, you can't stop it. So we think about it as being sometimes slow, you know, or sometimes not wanting to budge, but I, I think, most of that is just because it hasn't decided that thing's worth it. So you get it like stirred up enough and pushed in that direction. 
it's probably the, yeah. the, the, the best, um, I guess, chance we have of actually getting something to go forward, which I know seems like counter to what we think, but I think it's true. Yeah, it's like getting the bullseye. I often think of Taurus. Mm. You know, <laughs> nice. And maybe, yeah, perhaps also thinking about Aries that is like often the bow and aiming, you know, the the arrow. Mm. And then Taurus, but, but in Taurus, it's like getting smacked up smack dab smack dab right in the center because everything as you said really has purpose value and meaning you know such as our great teacher laura nalbandia yeah taught, she would also say all, all fixed signs are about value meaning and purpose but she would also say that all fixed signs which of course is scorpio and taurus are both fixed signs all, they both have a scarcity complex, right? They both at the heart of them have a feeling that something mm -hmm. is not there. And I was sharing with you guys before we started the show that I was listening to Colin Bedell, I think with Christopher Renstrom. So I can't remember which one said what, but the conversation they, they had mentioned that Taurus and Scorpio are the haves and have not signs, right? That sort of struggle back and forth. And so I think we can see that playing out today, at least in lots of areas of the world, right? That pulling back and forth of what we have, what we don't have, what's enough, what's not enough. And literally fears of, I mean, Taurus starvation comes up, right? Things all the way down to that basic survival. So yeah, value, meaning, and purpose. And I think for me, one thing with Taurus, I always think about, I think it was Stephen Forrest who, who says this, that of the earth signs like Capricorn, you know, will will take whatever mission and go for it, right? Make it happen. But that it's Taurus that has the instincts to know what to choose. That otherwise Capricorn on its own, for example, could just climb all kinds of mountains and do all kinds of things and it might never be the one. So to me, when we have an eclipse with Uranus and the North Node all right there, the choices we make right now extra important like i mean important in the sense that it may be framing way years beyond that we will you know long when we're when the three of us are off this planet which brings me back to Aranis with the moon which i know laura you've been also reminding this whole thought about the north node and tying what you're both saying together is is that making that choice is really in part if we're willing to accept what pops up rather than, you know, it not be without resistance because mm -hmm. resistance can be, um, you know, if we get, well, it's the, the shadow side of anything, but with Taurus mm -hmm. can be that complacency. It's comfortable it, working right now. Like why change the rut? <laughs> and maybe, I mean, that's one of the gift of Uranus being there is like, you can't stay stuck with Uranus yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, no option here, you know? <laughs> Um, you know, that it kicks you out of habitual patterning or that samskara, you know, yeah. record groove that you can get, we can get stuck in, whether that's individually or collectively as a culture or society or at a global level. Um, and that, and to your point, Tara, about like mm -hmm. the decisions we make in the, like how that is impacting the future. I think that that is part of this and and in that Uranian piece too of sort of seventh generation mindset that we need to take on that oh, yeah. you know of how is this impacting generations from now yeah. you know my great 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 grandchildren how is what I choose to Tuesday going to impact mm -hmm. that generation 
um, or even, you know, I mean, because eclipses aren't just on the day, but the choices yeah. we're making in this period of time impacting those that will never know and the need to be mindful in those choices. And it's not just external choices. Of course, that's part of it, but it's also choices of, you know, how I think about things, right? How I frame things, the story I tell myself about what's going on and what things mean, right? How I choose to feel about the people around me. I mean, to me, it's not, it's, it's, it's both. And those little shifts on the inside, I mean, they make just as much of an impact as the outside. So I'm only saying this because for people who don't have like a big decision to make, like in their lives right now, it doesn't mean that there's not still something going on that contributes to the collective. And you're honest, of course, is collective intelligence, collective mind. Yeah. It's also synchronicity. So Sue, to your point, if we are able to go with, sh with what shows up, like we can be open to that space. You have lots of collective resources, right? That will bring things into our path collectively and individually that really help things to move forward. So I look at Uranus as a big helper, even though it doesn't always feel like a helper, right? Sometimes it feels very upsetting, but yeah. It, it, the fact that this for the United States being an East Coast near the, the, the capital, that's why we have it for the East Coast in this location, representing the entire nation, our collective. It's in the seventh house of relationships, mm -hmm. partnerships, and what complements what we haven't for our, our wholeness. And it can also be the projection of the shadow like i'm not that way so what you're what you've been saying reminds me that part of this resistance or being open is if we do have sudden events happen in our life or or notice even though and because it is internal everything is internal i agree i love back to that the the external whether it's a person or a thing is only reflecting what perhaps we haven't totally integrated in ourself. So it actually represents a lot of work <laughs> in this retrograde. Well, yeah. And I think one of the things that often the concept of shadow can get or projection can often only has negative connotation to it. <laughs> good point. Yeah. Oh, good point. Um, good point. But there's, <laughs> but there's also the concept of the golden shadow which is when we project our highest potential onto other people because we're so scared to own that, that we have other people in our lives or in society play that out for us. And that's a part of this too, is like, how do we, in, how do you, does an individual own the highest potential of this eclipse, right? Not just, well, it could be chaos, it's election day. Yes, that's possible. <laughs> or incredible innovative breakthroughs that where we've been stuck for two centuries, right? Both are possible and what do we want it to be? What do we want to breathe life into? And, and it is, oh, I, I love this. I, yeah. I was just thinking it's in the seventh house. It's, it's not just seventh house, it's in the North Node, our collective destiny. So yes, it, it is that energy, I'm just, recognizing that despite all the other things said that that forward power is strong and then looking at mars there's help here besides uranus mm. you know saturn and mars neptune they're all intricately 
working in different ways to dissolve and to imagine, to support, because Saturn has support in this in this chart, really, to help and to imagine and to, to to go beyond. I mean, I'm just trying to emphasize what you've both been saying. I think it does. And I think also, though, with that trine, you know, Saturn to Mars, that is um, at least getting pretty close here, that it's, and even just Mars retrograde on its own, it's moving forward, but at the same time, it's knowing your limits, right? And it's knowing what things that are not working. So it's this interesting, it's this weird sort of like, stop, go, you know what I mean? A little bit of a feeling, but I think I agree that, that all those pieces are helping, but I don't think it's just like scream, move forward fast, you know, hit the full on gas pedal. I think there's with Saturn always, you know, really ask a certain level of responsibility and integrity around what it is we're actually doing. And so I think it would be really common right now that some of us, even if we're, and this is true for me in my life, even though I feel like I'm kind of screaming ahead and actually super busy with stuff, I'm also tired. There's a part of me that just wants to lie down and not get up in the morning. Do you know? Seriously, like, no, I mean, truly, like, I mean, and I, and I, and I usually, and usually my mind's pretty sharp. And sometimes I sit down to write. I'm a writer. Like, it's what I do for a living, a big part, and nothing comes out, you know? So I think this is like this time of sort of really reconsidering where where do our resources go, right? Where where are they going? Laura, you said something earlier. I forget about like do you do you value what you're doing or do you value what you're thinking about or do you think about what you value something like that? Which I was smiling because it hits straight home for me, you know. Yeah, because I think we can. I don't know. Be, and that's the gift of that. You know, the eclipse in that way is like to reassess that. Like how much of what Mm. you're saying is just like rote memorization as opposed to actually (laughs) what you think and feel and, and giving voice to that and speaking truth to that. And I think particularly because this eclipse, you know, in opposition with the Mercury conjunct the sun, that there's a piece of that of, you know, and the sun, all of that, that stellium in Scorpio of like, so what secrets, you know, what have you not been giving voice to? What secrets have you been keeping maybe? Um, or, or truths have you not been speaking, right? Maybe it's not intentional, deceptive yeah. secrets. Yeah. It's just not speaking the truth. Um, or it's secrets to keep from yourself, which makes it really hard to know that you're keeping it from someone else. You know, yeah, there, sure. But I've been thinking like with, if, if we've got, all of that Taurus, right? The the Moon, Uranus, North, it's all ruled by Venus in Scorpio, right? So we add that piece to it as well. Even though, yeah, there's the sort of the, I don't know, the self sufficiency of Taurus, right? I'll do it myself. I'll move forward. But that's not what's running the show, right? All those things are, are really kind of under the administration of your Venus and Scorpio, which is all about getting into it together. And I always think about Venus in general is always the question, how are you choosing to partner with life? Not just with, you know, your friends or your lover or whoever it is, but in general, how are you choosing to or to not partner with life? And that's part of the question, I think, here. Deep questions, and we will come back because this eclipse is so close, and I think we feel felt, feel felt like it. we've experienced, but yet it's a process and that's life. And this is wonderful. So this is November 6th. 
and it's Planet Buzz with Dr. Laura Tad, Tara All, and myself, Sue Rose Minahan. We'll be right back. Thank you. take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the yin period of Scorpio, traditionally ruled by Mars, now ruled by Pluto. By departing a cycle based on comparison between extreme energies finding balance, Scorpio commits a relationship to exchange resources, experiencing power and powerlessness for the purpose of soul growth transformation. As a fixed water sign that is extreme, intense, and secretively deep, Scorpio's passionate nature questions the psychology and mystery concerning life and death. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to the Ananda Institute of Living Yoga, we cover the world of animals. This week, it's best bioenergetic synchronization technique, energy codes, Rasmussen reset, and neuroenergetic balancing. With Dr. Nels Rasmussen and Linda Rasmussen joining me in the studio, together they can help you or your animal friends with emotional, behavioral, or physical issues. So plan to join us and call in Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Talk Cosmos brings you leading-edge astrological conversations with hour-long programs each week on KKNW. The show goes live every Sunday from 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific. Talk Cosmos weekly programs are also available to watch live on Facebook and YouTube, along with daily chats throughout the week on the Talk Cosmos YouTube channel. While you're there, make sure you click like and subscribe buttons so you can get the full Talk Cosmos experience. Or, if you'd rather listen to the show archives with audio only, the entire podcast collection since 2018 is available on most podcast carriers. So, grab your coffee, tea, or kombucha and enjoy the show. Talk Cosmos is celebrating its sixth season and has a special gift for everyone listening to the show. A free mini transit reading from your natal chart. This reading can help you discover your life path forward and make you aware of current opportunities and challenges. Talk Cosmos Kaleidoscope Visions panel invites you to participate in this learning experience and to interact with the astrologers reading your chart in 2023 during the monthly Kaleidoscope Visions show. Schedule your mini transit reading and find more information about the panel at TalkCosmos.com. We look forward to connecting with you for a free natal chart mini transit reading during the monthly Kaleidoscope Visions show at 1 p.m. Pacific on Talk Cosmos. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. Hello, and we're back again. You know, this is Planet Buzz, and I wanted to say that our actual subject is facing polarized values which we're drawing in very well and as far as the retrogrades i was just checking the ephemeris they are as rick levine just put in one of his pulse monthly and bi-monthly podcasts crawling because i had not realized but mars can go eight degrees a day i think at least but it's going like one and a half it's very very slow And if you look at it, it's staying at 
25 degrees Gemini. In fact, I think today or tomorrow it goes to 24. But the same thing with Jupiter. Jupiter is 29 degrees. They're just really, and that's a, it's apparent retrograde. Uh, so at any rate, just to say, yes, the break, the, the lights have been off or are about to go off. And it is that mindfulness to pause, pause mm -hmm. control. I always think about it. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask both of you what you might have before we jump in going, coming up, uh, Dr. Tad, what might you have? Um, so it's still several months away, but I'm going to be uh, in one of four women that are running a retreat in Nicaragua, and that'll be on um, February 26th through March 4th, and it's a goddess retreat, and there'll be a variety of things. There's, um, I'll be working with people, doing some lectures around phases of the moon and how those also parallel phases of life and looking at at the concept of phase, but phase of life as well. Um, and uh, my friend, Michelle, who's running it, her organization is called Evolutionary Evolution Training. It's not evolutionary astrology, um, but she's a body worker and healer, and there'll be a couple of other people there. And this is just on my end, just starting to come together. So when I have more, I will post it on the website, but it's it'll be um, in Nicaragua and it's right on the Costa Rican border. So you actually fly into Costa Rica. It's 12 miles from the retreat center in Nicaragua. So you fly into Costa Rica and then get driven across the border um, at the end of February next year. Sounds great. Yeah. And Tara, what have you percolating? Yeah. <laughs> well, percolating is really the word for it because uh, uh, most of this stuff is not firmed up all the way. I am speaking at Norwalk next year. So I'm super excited about mm -hmm. that. I'm going to be talking about Jupiter Jupiter as your uh, chart spirit ruler and natural frequency, um, along with other things. And then I have um, Sewell Jonathan, who is another astrologer, evolutionary astrologer. We are planning to do a little Pluto survival kit, like three and a half hour workshop this month, right? Um, we haven't put it out there yet, but it's coming. So if you're interested in that at all, you can just um, follow me, but we are, she and I have both been going through these just huge Pluto transits over the past couple of years. So we figured that it was time to get together and uh, do something extra meaningful with it. And then I have a friend and colleague named Hugo Badara. He is in Portugal and we are in the early stages of talking about a little, uh, Portugal Pisces astrology plus other things in Portugal next spring. So oh. yeah, more to come. Hmm? There's a big school in Portugal. This is great. And as you were speaking, I guess for Planet, well not for Planet Buzz, but for Talk Cosmos, we have a number of guests coming up. I know that, so people need to keep tuning in. On November 27th, Michael Bartlett. December 4th, Mark Jones. Linda Berry comes back with Richard Smoot on Christmas Day. Israel Ahosi, and perhaps another person along with Liz and Justin for archetypal symbols on the 18th for the solstice. But then on to start off our new year in the sixth season, we're really happy to have Rick Levine join. And that will be on the first. As far as myself, 
And then, oh, yes, and I forgot we have the mini series because the United States, according to the Sibley chart, is having its third Pluto return at 27 degrees in December, late December. And so that little mini series with Sam Reynolds and Justin Elsie, along with Ray Sapp and Stormy Grace, will be on the 11th of December. So it was a little bit of a mix up as far as the dates, but there's lots happening always and a lot of thought. And myself, I am really pleased to be able to present a lecture with OPA. They have for members particularly, but you don't have to be a member. They have now where you can purchase these individually, but that will be in July on the 23rd about the United States Venus uh, Venus star point return in 2026. More later. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for reminding and encouraging me now to come back, tether in. Yes, on this eclipse. Well, let's go back to our slides. Thank you. And I don't know if we want to. Uh, okay, this is our current slide for the 8th which is election day. And the point is, it is the first total lunar eclipse in our nation's history. There've been others, you can read this a little bit, but they weren't either on election day because we didn't have Tuesday as in even years until after 1845, which is interesting because in 1846, there was the next year a small very faint, the most faint start of the whole long cycle of eclipses where it's almost like a teabag as a prenumeral shadow. Did I say that right? I hope. So and you can find this about Earth Sky Org. I gave credits because I pulled it out of that particularly because they say it very well. So this is a real event for the United States. Let's see, did I do all three? Okay, so it, because you can stop and pause it. Here we are, unless somebody has something they want to say about the his, history of it. Um, well, I was Laura. just going to say, you know, even though, so that eclipse you were referring to in 1873, that was very close to elect, the election day. But yeah, I, I wasn't that um, one, but there was one. Yes, go ahead. That so even though for the US it didn't impact politics, there was apparently a scandal politically going on in Canada. And the first Canadian prime minister was ousted just during that eclipse. And the, the second Canadian mm -hmm. prime minister was brought in, and there was a whole scandal around the railroads and money being misappropriated, which is very Torian, and that maybe being revealed right around that time, which eclipses can eclipse things, but they also reveal things. And so mm -hmm. there was this scandal financially going on in Canada around the prime minister, the, who was the first prime minister of Canada. Um, so like trying to remember like, yes, this is landing on the election day of the US, but there's a lot of stuff going on globally that echoes some of what we're seeing here with what the eclipse is bringing in. So just trying to remember, like, it's not always... Uh, not to be U.S. centric in our. <laughs> no, it's about 
No, and less and less, thankfully. You know, we need to unite these voices. It's very true. And that, I guess, is really what we're working to do right here. That's, in, well, but in what, one hour, go ahead. Yes. Well, what do you think? I mean, I'm just curious to know what both of you, what do you think this first time ever total lunar eclipse on election day? Like, what do you think that means? We, have, we haven't uh, straight out said, yeah. Well, immediately what comes to mind, and I can't, this isn't definitive, but I have to look at the pattern of all the different synchronistically, the other aspects. And we are having a Pluto return. Now that is with the idea that, of course, and Pluto is so elliptic that it's 248 years and it's only been 246, but it could be that because it's not always even in every single sign. So it is back to that same point. And you can see that in the second house, you know, it's just a degree away because it's been going back and forth over that point. It's going to be the third time coming up, I think on the 27th of 26th, 27th, I should know it, but anyway, in December, meaning that, so many strong shifts are going to happen next year, but are already happening, like with the Venus star point, that it's a long 100-year cycle. And just back on October 22nd, it entered into Libra, which will be a new relationship. So back to your question, what does it mean to have it on the United States? It's time to grow up. I think that's what it is. It's time to really take, it's true, shadow infers the negative, but it's only, I think, if we demand that we are not going to look at it. Because I too have been struggling with overcoming my perception so that I can manage all the things that I want to do <laughs> and things that I have to do just without going into any detail. And it, so in other words, the United States has great promise, but really there's many, we're a very large country and it's, and the life is different than what we had. And so to really be honest, as far as, and not just honest, but to be that strength of, of power, empowerment for us each individually that make up this country, we need to look at our values. And, and perhaps this will help us here. Anyway, I, I was not. Yes, thank you. Um, I mean, it's interesting. I'm hoping that it's a release of the tension that I've been witnessing, right? That We've, it's been building and building and building throughout the year. Um, and I was just talking to a neighbor about this the other night of how, at least here in Georgia, um, I don't know what anybody's platform is. Every ad is an attack ad. There's not, this is what I value. It's, this is why you shouldn't value what this person does. And it's, I don't ever recall it being like that to the same extreme. Attack ads have been around for eons, but... I don't ever remember feeling like nobody ever presented a platform. They only were that sort of really out of bound, out of unhealthy scorpionic expression, right? Uh, like it's just been that as opposed to here's what I value. And I'm potentially, right? Like if I go, I don't go, if I 
my happy sad rising <laughs> potentially <laughs> it's oh we get to like there's a shift and there's oh there are values that are being represented and it's not just the negative um i think that the fact that this eclipse is happening simultaneously with mars retrograde the challenge with that is like you know mars was retrograde when they held the brexit vote and so are people aware of the actions that they're making in the same way? Well, and if or is about, it sort of yeah. buyer's remorse for well, lack of a better word? <laughs> as you were saying it, I was thinking about like that Scorpio, especially with the Scorpio South node, the, the, the need to annihilate something versus Taurus to grow something, you know, and that, and when you're talking about the ads that way, that's kind of the difference, right? It's either I got to take something down versus do I actually want to build something up? That's why I totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. And uh, building on that, I'm realizing that the asteroid Pallas Athena, looks like the little diamond with the cross on it, is being aspected both natally and in transit. And Athena has a legacy of coming out of the head of Jupiter and represents wisdom. She's a warrior wisdom person or energy we, you know, for us. And so that strongly shows that, I mean, that energy is connecting to how we're thinking, our Mercury, but all of that is in transformation because it's opposing that Plutonian uh, conjunction happening. In other words, what you're saying is really foremost on our hearts and minds and the other one that she's doing is that the natal our natal uh palace that is of that wisdom thinking in of our that vesta the hearth so along with that is like well if we're going to be reconstructing all this structure of uh, and changing how we're the wise, the, the mature, the values, all this, you know, are, are how we feel. I'm thinking about how we think with it and cancer. But yeah. also, what about our hearth, which is Vesta, the fire that warms us, that we keep whole, that in a sense is symbolic within us, that what that that is in Aquarius, that Yes, it came possibly thinking of evolutionary astrology out of trauma, but it's for that purpose of um, in not enlightening, but elevating, embettering for the multitudes. It's a lot of strong, conflicting, powerful. Palaces also, I, I always look at palaces, how and where and what you need to be a champion of or for. And so to have, you know, that Pluto opposing palace within the United States, Mercury and Pluto right there in the mix, that there's definitely this need to sort of shift that agenda a little bit, right? What are we actually, who, who do we stand up for? You know, whose rights are we trying, you know, yes. who is it that we're actually doing something for? Yeah. Or is it inclusive? And if it is inclusive, what part of me have I, uh, maybe exuberantly been indulging because of no check and balance system. I often think that with our 
constitutional check and balance system, it represents back to us as individuals. You know, we, it's easy to have the power and just go rampant with it if somebody else doesn't let you know that it's not serving. Yeah, I mean, I think just, yeah, what are the, what are the causes that are driving, right? So, yeah, going sort of back to not knowing people's platforms. Okay, what is? Oh, it, one more with this chart, and then we can flip back or get rid of the whole thing, is that series, a dwarf planet one's thought is a, um, all kinds of asteroids and whatnot because she's uh, on the inner between Mars and Jupiter in the, in the, um, there instead of being out in the Kuiper belt with the rest of the dwarf planets. And it's grief. You know, she's the one that with Persephone in the mythology lost her daughter, which represents vegetation and many aspects of, of rebirth. But finally, learns how to, well, the daughter comes back. But the point is, like, back to Laura Nalbandian teaches, you find your grief. I mean, you don't find your grief. You find how you can nurture your own grief. That's what I'm saying. So mm. here it is with Juno, who's mm. the uh, wife of, but represents the wife of Zeus, but represents who, what are we aligned with? What partnerships are we aligned with? And it's all in that same house area. So going right back to your question, what do we stand up for? Our values, uh, you know, nurturing, how do we, how do we look at what is grieving somebody else and, and, and understand Yeah, and I could see too, you know, um, looking at the mythology of Ceres, right? Like, are we processing our grief? Because Ceres' unprocessed grief sent the world into an ice age, yep. right? So, it's what are we? Are we looking at that? Are we processing that? Are we owning it, or are we projecting it? And it's so uncomfortable to look at that we either repress or project as opposed to process and potentially the conjunction could bring in a time where like we're forced to, there's a reckoning because there's a conjunction that spotlights stuff and is saying like, okay, now what's your role here? How is this? What is your, where are you responsible for your own grief? It's not in, instead of projecting, it's been caused by someone else that yeah. you're, you, we get to choose how we respond to situations. We can't control what other people say or do, but we can choose how we respond. And the need to own that at a collective level. Yeah, That goes right back to a kite. And I'm thinking it's right back to the lunar eclipse, isn't it? Because it is. it focuses on Uranus and the moon, which both of you have beautifully said is is that sudden destiny that we're going forward with because it's at the North Node versus looking back at what our thinking, our mind, our mindfulness, our heart, our will, our mind, you know, what are we ready to uh, let go of? I, I love the what you had, you had said. I just wanted to 
pull that together. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Well, just going to say in the in the U.S. chart, right? Series is conjunct the moon. So we have to realize that part of that deep, profound grief is literally around where we come from. I mean, it is our roots, right? That is, and that is to even be willing to feel and open and accept that at a collective level would be a big pathway to healing, right? That part of part of the way we have nurtured and grown our own selves <laughs> has been intertwined with that, you know, with that grief. And the other thing about Ceres is Ceres is also because Ceres or Demeter is the earth goddess, right? The grain goddess that also is how you can feed yourself at the deepest level, not just food, right? But at the deepest spiritual nurturing level. So whenever we're working mm -hmm. with grief on the one hand, the other side is also that same energy or that same, the same place that's sitting in the chart or the place planets or points, anything that is touching also becomes a, a potential for how we can really reheal and nurture ourselves at the deepest, deepest yeah. level. And with Juno, to me, Juno, I mean, absolutely who we partner with, but I always think of it most simply as just commitment. What do we need to be committed to? I think Laura, maybe you just kind of hit the nail on the head, which is, have to process and feel that grief, right? It doesn't, it doesn't just magically shift and change and go away. It continues to come back again and again and again in all kinds of distorted forms and shapes, which I think is in part, at least what in this country we are seeing now. It's pain. It yeah. is. And it, to follow up with that story, the beautiful part I felt that where she series teaches the brother of the baby that she was the nanny of while she was grieving of her own loss of her daughter, teaches that child agriculture. So it's really amazing. She nurtures that child to with a skill that that child is responsible as far as mythology goes of teaching the world agriculture. So in a sense, if we offer how we're nurturing ourselves to another that might be the step, you know, they often say to be able to, whether it's Chiron or whatever, we have a few minutes left. Go I mean, ahead. I mean, just in my, if we bring it right back, right to the moon and Taurus with these archetypes and Taurus values, but feeding ourselves sits with Taurus too. I know we don't always say that number one, but we really have kind of come full circle right back to what is it that feeds ourselves? What feeds each other, right? What actually can, can help us sustain. Yeah. Yes, here are the panelists. It's not six, but for today. And you can find them. It's Tara All and Mythic Sky with Dr. Tad and myself, of course, Top Cosmos. And we didn't look at it. We have about a minute or so. But Mars is it's activating everything. It's right back to our natal core of the nation. But Going back to ourself, our polarized internal values to, to commence forward. There's a lot of promise in that. There's so much imagination with Neptune. We didn't, I hope that was translated too somehow that despite all of this, there's that creative energy. Yeah. Go ahead. We have a thought. We have a moment. Well, Mars and Gemini retrograde reclaim our story, right? So part of the hope is we can rewrite it. It's not done. No, it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually trying to write a memoir, a teaching memoir myself. <laughs> <laughs> Please, with all of it. Tara, it's so great oh. to have you again. It's really been a pleasure always. 
And Laura, you're wonderful. I'll see you (laughs) next month. (laughs) Oh, good. Okay. Thank you for joining us on Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests connect soul growth patterns with the energetic cycles of astrology. Be sure to tune in next Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time to continue your journey through the roots of the cosmic pathway. 